All right, if you have your Bibles, open them up. We're going to be in Genesis 17 tonight. So, uh, let's just jump right in. Genesis chapter 17 should be easy to find, first book of the Bible. It says, when Abraham was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to Abram and said to him, I am, I am almighty God, walk before me and be blameless. I will make my covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceedingly. And Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him saying, as for me, Behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be a father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abram, but your name shall be called Abraham. For I have made you a father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And I will establish my covenant between, between me and you and your descendants after you and their generation for an everlasting covenant to be God and you and your descendants after, after you. I, also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. So we, we left off, and where we are is we're following through this life of Abraham. And so if you remember a couple weeks ago, God, God established his covenant with Abraham. We have one of the most important verses in all the Bible, right? And, and it's important that you guys are very familiar with it. It's found in um, Genesis 15, verse 6. And he believed, in the, he believed in the Lord, and he accounted it to him for righteousness. Genesis 15, 6. So Abraham, and it says in, the, in Hebrews that Abraham believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. And so here we have this relationship based on believing or faith in God that, that, that is a relationship with Jesus Christ based on faith. 430 years before the law of Moses, where people for, for much of Israel's history related to God based on the law, the Levitical law that, that God gave through angels to Moses. But before that, and in this, we have this covenant that God made with Abraham. This covenant was unconditional. You'll remember the story, um, the Hebrew custom, the Jewish custom is to take a bull and cut it right down the middle, place half on each side, two men stand in between the bull, and they, they, they make a covenant. And the idea is that if either one of us break, they didn't have lawyers and contracts and these kind of things, they would sign up and sue each other. The two men cut this bull in half, they stood in the middle, and, and basically the idea was that if you break your end of the bar bargain, let it be done to you the same thing that was done to this bull. They would shake hands, they would slap hands or whatever they did, and it was a covenant, it was called cut covenant. And so it was a, one of the ways that they would make covenant or they would make deals, and then they would barbecue, they would eat, they would celebrate together, and it, and it would be, um, they wouldn't let the bull go to waste, they would barbecue, and hopefully they made some Brazilian tri-tip or something good. And so, um, so God says to Abraham, we're going to make this type of covenant. We're going to cut covenant. And so Abraham cuts the bull. He prepares it. He goes. He's waiting all day. The birds are coming and trying to eat the, the, the bull. And Abraham's shooing the birds away all day. And Abraham's tired and he falls asleep and passes out. And the Lord shows up 
and, and establishes the covenant. And God allowed and made it so that Abraham would fall asleep because this was not a two-sided covenant. It was a one-sided covenant. It was unconditional. God was going to do it regardless what Abraham did. He didn't need Abraham for this covenant. He didn't, even, he didn't need Abraham to show up and make any promises or any deals that he was going to read his Bible and pray every day and pass out tracts or whatever these deals we make with God in order to try to impress him. He said, I don't need any of that. He said, this is an unconditional covenant. God was going to establish it in Abraham's life. Here we have the, the, the rest of this, this, this unconditional covenant that God was going to make. Now, God makes covenants throughout history with men, and, and some are conditional and some are unconditional. Like he says um, to Joshua, he told Joshua, if my people who are called by my name would humble themselves, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. And all the way through, you have these conditional, um, conditional covenants that God makes with men. If, if you will do A, B, and C, then God will meet you. And we live under and have many of these existing in our lives today that, that, that they're conditional covenants that, that God makes with men. You know what's interesting, though, with, with this particular one, with Abraham, it was unconditional. Abraham, so really Abraham couldn't mess it up no matter what he did. And that's why as you go through the life of Abraham, you see he wasn't perfect. He makes, he makes mistakes. He sins against God. He has lapses of faith in his life. He takes his wife twice and goes and, and runs down to Egypt. You know, one of, one of the sins and one of the mistakes in Abraham's life is, is costing us and costing the nation of Israel to this day tremendous amounts of pain. And we're going to see it because he, they went down to Egypt. He wasn't supposed to go down to Egypt. He lied and told the, the guy down there that Sarah was his sister because he was afraid they were going to kill him because she was beautiful. And she was like 70 at the time, and she was still beautiful. And so he lies and says that she's his sister, comes back, ends up, the guy finds out, the Lord shows up and says, don't touch Sarah. You know, she, you better not touch her. And the guy comes and is like, Abraham, what'd you do this to me for? I thought we were, you know. And Abraham said, I was afraid. And then Abraham leaves Egypt. And now all of a sudden we have this handmaiden that Abraham picked up down in Egypt named Hagar. They're going to come up with a plan, Sarah and Abraham, because God promised them a son. Sarah's past the age of childbearing. She's, Abraham's 99. She's 89. No, no kid. And, and so a couple years earlier, she had, she had said, why don't you just take Hagar, my maidservant, and, and we'll help God out, and you have, a, you have a son with hers, as was customary, and the son would then be the, the, the kind of the property of the, of the queen of the house, the mom of the house, and so it would have been technically Sarah's and, so, um, and Abraham's, and we'll help God out since I can't have kids, and God promised that you and I were going to have a kid of promise, but so, so they have this son, Ishmael. And that's a sin in Abraham's life. And, and so, but yet, God uses him. You look at King David. What do you find in King David's life? You find a, 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 a guy in, in human history, a king of Israel, who God says this about him. He is a man after my own heart. How would you like to be called a man after God's own heart? A woman after God's own heart? From the lips of God. I mean, what an amazing, amazing um, testimony and, and, and privilege for God himself to say of your life that you're a, you're a, you're a man after my own heart. And, and you look at David's life. And David was, he killed Goliath. I mean, David was big time. 
David was a baller. He, 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 you know, he, he tore lions and bears up. And I mean, God did some things supernaturally in his life. But yet he was a murderer. He was an adulterer. He, he was full of pride. But God loved him. It was his son. And David had some lapses of faith in his life and had some mistakes and, and committed sins. And he paid for those sins. There was, a, there was a consequence for every one of those sins in David's life. But yet there was this covenant, there was this relationship that, 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 that in David's heart, he was a man after God's heart. He loved God. He desired to do what was right. He, he repented when he made a mistake. And God used him regardless of the man. And that's the relationship that, that we see the, you know, with the Lord, is that, is that God uses us in spite of us. And I, I so want us to understand that. You know, and it took a long time as a, as a pastor, as a preacher, as a public speaker to get that. My wife helped a, a, a ton, you know, and just tell me, hey, it's not about you. And, and I heard that for years, and I still didn't get it. And then when that sets in, when that sinks in, and you realize it's not about me, the Lord's going to show up or he's not. God's going to do it and get the glory or he's not. And I would be so worried about what people were going to think about me and if I, what I said and what I did. And, and I would be very nervous and worried and, and, and I was trying to get in the way. And I got in the way for so long of what God was trying to do. And I felt like if, if, if I didn't like really study like hours and hours and if I didn't pray in tongues and in the spirit for an hour before that message and for that message and if I didn't do this and this and that and all of these things that... That, man, I was going to get up there and, and God wasn't going to bless it. And I'd get up there and I'd done all those things. And I would just suck. <laughs> and terrible and nervous. And, and, and just because I was worried about myself and how people were going to think about me. And, 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 you know, some of the best messages that I've ever given where people have just, God's spirit has fallen and... Um, People's lives have been changed and people come up and say, hey, that was meant for me. And then somebody else, that was meant for me. And, and the Spirit just moved in people's lives genuinely. No study, no preparation. I mean, I'm not condoning that in any, any way. But a couple times in my life, I've just had really busy, hard weeks. I've been doing ministry. I've been doing working. I've been doing whatever. And the time that I normally devote to preparing for a message, I didn't have it that week. I slept when I should have been studying. I didn't do it. And I, I kind of half-heartedly got through something. And, and I just was broken and just said, God, I, can you help me? Help me, help me. I, I need you, Spirit, to you know, stand next to me up there. And, and, and God did it in spite of me. Not because I prepared and because I was, my, you know, thing was in order. You know, and what happens, unfortunately, with, with guys that have that gift or that talent, it's also a curse. Because if, if, if you know, if you can just get up there and, and you're very gifted speaker and, and, and articulate and all these things, and, you know, those are the, some of those guys, you see them fall in sin. And, you know, we had a pastor, a Calvary pastor, and he had been, he had some major sexual sins going on in his life, pornography and adultery and um, all kinds of illicit sex things that he was involved in. And it had been going on for two years. For two years, that guy got up in the pulpit and was able to teach living in sin. You don't have to worry about me. I, I couldn't make it five minutes without the Lord here showing up because I don't have that craft or that skill or that, you know, it's, it's God. God has to show up and do it. And when God shows up and blesses, because not because of me, because he loves you and because he has a word he wants to give you, he has something that he wants to speak to your heart 
and, and, and then if I can just do my best to, to, to get out of the way, have a heart like David, I'm not saying, you know, that, that you can live your life however you want and then God just shows up or not. Definitely there are conditional promises that I live under. There are conditional promises, the same ones that you live under. Go read them. They're all over through the Bible. If you do so, 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 I will do so and so and so. But at the end of the day, it's not about me. It's not about you. It's about God. It's about what he's done, what he's going to do in spite of you because he loves you and he loves the people that you're around and he wants to bless them. He wants to bless you. And so, you know, that, that should motivate us. That, that definitely doesn't make it like, you know, I, I, I didn't respond to those messages that I gave when I, didn't, when I really wasn't prepared and God showed up and did something amazing. I didn't go the next week and go, sweet, I'm not going to study the Bible. I'm not going to read. I'm not going to pray. God's just going to show up and do it. I didn't do that. That, that, that was honest week of being busy and not putting in the time that I needed to put in to prepare. But I, I go back to the routine of, of doing my diligence because the Bible says that as well. The Bible says, study to show thyself approved, a workman who need not be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of God. That's a command for all of us. Study to show yourself approved. So the word of God tells you to study the word of God. And so I have to be obedient to that and diligent. And, um, but at the same time, I have to be able to study the word of God and then know no matter how much I have or haven't studied, that God has to show up and do it in spite of me. And he does so many times. It's so cool. So God makes this covenant with Abraham. And in here, I, I just read, breezed over because I read the, the eight verses. But God tells Abraham that in this covenant, Abraham, there's going to be, and, and this word comes up often. It, it's, it's a sign or a signal. The word feast, it's funny because the same word that God uses for sign in Genesis 3 when he said, I'm going to put the stars and the moon in the place and they'll be, they'll be for signs and for seasons. That word sign and the Jewish word for feast is the same Hebrew word. And basically it means signal. It's going to be a signal or a, a, a something that God's going to do. And here God says there's going to be um, a, a signal, a covenant, part of the covenant that I'm going to make for you. And so no, do, no doubt Abraham maybe was excited and not knowing what this, this thing that God was going to give him or do to him to represent the covenant, the everlasting covenant. Did you, and did you guys pick up as I read through this the things that, that were a part of this? God was going to make him a, a nation. God was going to give him a huge portion of land as an inheritance. Israel never in all of their history possessed the land that God gave them in this covenant in Genesis. God gave them, um, I forget what the numbers are, I don't have them written down, 300,000 miles, square miles of, of, um, of land in the covenant that God made. At the most that they ever had was like 60,000 square miles. And so they've never even began to touch the area that, that God gave them as a promised land or a possession. So God makes this promise here to Abraham. He also promises Abraham's blessings and children as, as numerous as the sand by the seashore. And so in all of that, all this amazing blessing, and then this, this, this thing, Abraham, that I'm going to give you that's going to represent this covenant. And so what, what, do you, what, what, do, I mean, what do you think Abraham was going to? What is God going to give me, like a golden staff? Like he's going to give me a pennant I can wear on my shirt? He's going to give me like a halo? What, what is God going to do to signify this big of an unconditional covenant that, that God is going to give me? So, so Abraham goes and he shows up to this meeting and, and it says, he says, also I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger, all the land 
of Canaan as an everlasting possession. That's the last part of the covenant. And then in verse 9, Abraham shows up to this meeting and to find out what is it going to be. And God said to Abraham, as for you, you shall keep my covenant, you and your descendants after you throughout their generations. This is the signet or the sign or the covenant which you shall keep between me and you and your descendants after you. Every male among you shall be circumcised. No! <laughs> That's probably not what Abraham had in mind, right? It, it, it was kind of a little strange, right? That this is, this is the covenant, the cutting away of the flesh, the cutting of the foreskin that, that God made as an everlasting covenant for his people. And so God called, and in the law, that a, that a baby is to be circumcised on the eighth day. If you, if you converted, you, you had to be circumcised. The Gentile, Gentile nations didn't um, exercise circumcision, and so God gives this as a covenant. You know, that's like... You know, Abraham couldn't go and show that one off, you know, right? He, he, he didn't have a choice to, hey, honey, or maybe honey, I don't know, but anybody else, he couldn't say, hey, this is the covenant that God gave me. He, it, and what's interesting is um, this is something that is between God and his people, and it's really private. It's something that's, you know, is, is, a, is a covenant that's a sign among God's people uh, of circumcision, one of the things, one of the parallels to this passage that we have here in this idea of this internal sign is we see in the New Testament, um, the same thing happens, and, and the disciples all go to Pentecost, and, and, and they got to wait. So they tarry there in, in, in Jerusalem. They're waiting for the promise that Jesus gave that the Holy Spirit would fall, and in accordance to Jewish feasts, the seven Jewish feasts, Three were already done. Jesus did three of them. The next one was, was Pentecost where the Holy Spirit would fall. And on the exact day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit fell and the church age began. And they began to speak with tongues. And so that, that was a sign. It was a sign. And again, it's, it's, it's a private thing. You know, when it comes to speaking in tongues in the Bible, it, I'm looking at the clock. So I really don't have, I, I want to get through a couple more things. I don't have the time to give this whole topic um, justice tonight. So I'm just trying to sum it up. But in the Bible, the rules for speaking in tongues in a public gathering are very strict. Paul said, at, if you're in a, in a gathering, number one, it has to be believers only. Because if somebody who's not a believer comes in and, and they're speaking in tongues, what are they going to say? What's wrong with these crazy people? And, 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 you know, you've probably been to churches. You, you might have been to places. My aunt, um, you know, everybody in her church all spoke in tongues all the time, all over the place. And pastor would be speaking and some crazy lady on cue at the same time would stand up in her chair in the middle of the sermon and start speaking in tongues and shaking. And the pastor would say, Holy Spirit showed up. And he'd be excited for it. I don't know why. But anyways, so you've had these kind of crazy experiences. So you just say, wow, that's nuts. I don't want nothing to do with that. And because of the perversion of speaking in tongues, as a, as a church, as a Christian people, we've, we've, we've shied away from it. And because when you read in, in, in the Bible, you find that, that Paul was very strict on public use of speaking in tongues. He said only believers have to be there. And if believers are there, then two, at the most three, could speak in, in a tongue. And there had to be a what there? An interpreter. There had to be interpretation of what was being spoken. But Paul said, um, now in private, Paul speaking of personally as a believer, as a Christian for your personal prayer life, that, that he, he, he would that you speak in tongues. He wants you to speak in tongues. Paul said, I speak in tongues more than all of you. 
Paul said that, you know, that, that it is a gift and, and that you should and he would that you speak in tongues. Not that I hope you receive this gift. He said, I wish you would or that you should speak in tongues. And, and like circumcision, you know what happened with circumcision with the Jewish people? It gave them a lot of problems over the years. It was a lot of ridicule. It was culturally, it was unacceptable. They were, they were made fun of because of the, the right of circumcision of the covenant and that Jewish people you know, in, in, among pagan cultures. Now, in our culture today, right, it's a little different because in, in America, we circumcise babies in, in the hospital and it's very normal and it's healthy and, um, and we just do it. But that wasn't always the case. And, and for a long time in, in Israel's history, because of the, the, the pressure and the persecution and the, you know, being kind of made fun of and, you know, they, they didn't observe the, the, the covenant that God laid out with Abraham that his people should be circumcised. And so they, um, they went away from it. And the church has much done the same with speaking in tongues. You know, as a church, because it's, um, it, again, it has a bad reputation and it's been so misused among the church that, that we just don't want nothing to do with it. We, we just would rather just, you know what, that's, but, but it's a mistake. It's a mistake for you as a believer it's a mistake for the church if we don't exercise these gifts. I mean, you cannot read 1 Corinthians 14, 15, 12, 13, 14, 15 and, and ignore this that it's not valid. And people say, oh, well, the, 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 some of those gifts are not valid for today. But humbug. It's just not true. They didn't cease. None of them cease. There's no cease. There's nowhere in the Bible that teaches or shows that those gifts were for a time. They are for today. And Paul says, I would that you speak in tongues, that you should speak in tongues. And it's something that is, is a gift that God's given for prayer for his people. The, the, the point of tongues is that it bypasses your intellect. And when you're praying and you're saying a bunch of stuff and you, you know, when you pray in the spirit, it passes your intellect because you don't know what you're saying and then God can interpret and you can speak to God more clearly in, in the prayer language that, is, that, that, that brings a closeness to God and, and, and your mind doesn't get in the way and, and it takes faith to exercise this gift. And so, um, again, I, I need a lot, of, lot, a lot of time to unpack all that, but, um, but I just did want to draw that parallel between this covenant because when you look at the two, I think with, with much integrity, you can draw a parallel between the covenant that God made of circumcision in the Old Testament and, and, a, and a sign of speaking in tongues in the New Testament. So it, as we move on, it says in verse 10 or verse 11, and you shall be circumcised in the flesh of your foreskin, and it shall be a sign of the covenant between me and you. He, he who is eight days old among you shall be circumcised, every male child in your generations. He who is born of your house or bought with money from a foreigner or who is a descendant. And um, what's interesting is that God called that, that you should be circumcised on the eighth day. This is the beginning of human history. Actually, it's not. We're a couple thousand, two thousand years in at this point. So he said on the eighth day, what, is, what does science tell us today that they didn't have then? You, you have in your body uh, vitamin K. And for some reason, vitamin K is part of, a, 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 I guess it's a vitamin, in your body that helps um, with, with blood uh, clotting, coagulating. Um, and for some reason, on the eighth day, it takes this amazing spike the vitamin K does in boys. 
So you get it, you're born, and then all of a sudden on the eighth day, it spikes way up, and then it never comes, it never hits that point ever again. As an adult or any other point in your life, does the vitamin K level in your body ever arise that point but on the eighth day? And so God designed you that way. He gave you vitamin K on the eighth day so that when you're circumcised on the eighth day that um, it's designed by God to be that way. And the science, the science again, is, is there. Verse number 13, he who is born in your house and he who is bought with your money must be circumcised and for my covenant shall be in your flesh for an everlasting covenant. And the uncircumcised male child who is not circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, that person shall be cut off from his people. He has broken my covenant. And then God said to Abram, as, as for Sarai, your wife, you shall not call her name Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. And I will bless her and also give you a son by her. Then I will bless her and she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be from her. And so Sarah means princess. And so um, what Sarai meant, I'm, I'm not really sure. It's kind of obtuse and there's different opinions of, of what Sarai meant. But Sarah means princess. Abraham's name was changed from Abram to Abraham. Uh, Abram means um, exalted father, Abraham, father of many nations. And so um, we have these names also being changed here. And it says in verse 17, Then Abram fell on his face and laughed and said in his heart, Shall a child be born to a man who is 100 years old? And shall Sarah, who is 90 years old, bear a child? So Abraham was 10 years older than his wife. And and. Abraham fell and he laughed. Now, there's lots of different ways we can laugh, right? This particular laugh we know is, is, is a laugh of joy. It's a laugh of belief, of faith, of, of excitement. And we're going to see Sarah is going to laugh when, when, when she finds out, but hers is totally different. Her laugh is a laugh of, of, of ridicule, of, of unbelief, of making fun of, of yeah, right, like laughing at, not with. And, you know, Abraham is a laugh of joy and excited. And we know this because God is going to rebuke Sarah for laughing at the promise of God. You know, there's lots of different ways we can laugh, right? Like if I'm like, I don't know, lots of different ways you can laugh. I can laugh in ha, 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 like a... Or I could say, ha, 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 like a belly laugh. I could laugh at somebody. I can laugh with somebody. You can, lots of different ways you can laugh. And so we're going to have two, both laugh. Abraham laughs. Sarah's going to laugh. Sarah's rebuked. Abraham, his was different. And then um, Abraham said in verse 18, and Abraham said to God, oh, that Ishmael might live before you. And so Abraham laughed. He he believed God, he was excited, but he didn't understand it, just like you and I. Abraham realized, wait a minute, I live in the real world, I'm a real person, I am 99 years old, my wife is past the age of childbearing, which means she's already went through menopause, she's un- physically her body is incapable of, of, of having babies, and Abraham says, you know, he believes God, he's excited what God wants to do, but then he just can't figure it out, and he presents this, this again, this help to God, and he says, oh God, that, well, you know, that, that's going to be too difficult, Lord. I don't know how, you're gonna, how we're going to figure that out. Sarah's not going to be able to have babies. Just, can Ishmael just live before you? I already have a son. He's 13. Um, just let it be that Ishmael live before you. And God said in verse 19, no. 
Sarah, your wife, shall bear a son, and you shall call his name Isaac, and I will establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his descendants forever. The word Isaac means laughter, maybe because Sarah laughed. Technically, in the Hebrew, the name Isaac is ah, <laughs> it's literally laughter. And as for Ishmael, I have heard you. And so, so Abraham here intercedes, he prays for Ishmael, and God is going to answer his prayer. I, I wonder if things would have turned out a little bit differently if um, Abraham didn't have this, this plea to the Lord, this intercession for Ishmael, but he was his son, he loved his son, and, and he asked God for a blessing for Ishmael, and God granted it. And he said, Ishmael is going to be um, a father. He's going to make 12 princes. He's going to be a father also of many nations. And to this day, the Arab nations that we have in the world that are warring against Israel come from Ishmael and are born just like um, from Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. The nations of Israel were born and were blessed and his descendants were um, greatly multiplied over the years. The same thing is going to happen to Ishmael. And he is the father of, this is where you can bring back the descendants, the Hebrews and the Arabs are right here. They're both, and you know, in, in Muslim faith and in, in Jewish faith and in Christian faith, we, we all understand that Abraham is our father. The Muslims understand and they, they follow their heritage and their lineage back through Ishmael right to Abraham. Abraham is their father. The Jews do the same thing. They follow the, and both very accurately because they, they were both, both were, were come from um, Abraham, Father Abraham. And it says um, in verse... 20, as for Ishmael, I have heard you. Behold, I have blessed him, and I will make him fruitful, and he shall, he shall beget 12 princes, and I will make him a great nation. But my covenant I will establish with Isaac, whom Sarah shall bear to you at this set time next year. And then he finished talking with him and went up from Abraham. So Abraham took Ishmael, his son, and they were born in his house. And all who were brought with his money, every male among the men of Abraham's house, and circumcised the flesh of their foreskins that very same day as God had said. So, you know, some of the things you, you, you do see in Abraham's life, you see this um, instant obedience. The first thing is that Abraham took his son. And so he, he led he, he didn't tell his son to go out. It, it was like the, you know, the kings of the world. What do they do? They send the men out before him and tell him where to go and who to fight and how to die for him. Abraham went with him. He took his son and, and, and immediately he, he began to perform this, this covenant that God had given. He circumcised um, his son. He circumcised all the men that were in his house, all of his servants, all of, his, all of the people that were in his entourage. They were all circumcised the same day. Immediately, Abraham went out and was obedient. You know, later in the story of Abraham's life, you see these things. So yeah, he's the father of faith because he did have these really high points in his life of extra, exercising amazing um, faith in God and what, in obedience to what God told him to do. Now, all this crazy stuff has happened in Abraham, right? He, he doesn't understand it. He's old. God's, he's been waiting. God made this promise in his life 30 years ago that he, him and Sarah were going to have a son. He's been waiting ever since. That's why they said, hey, just take Hagar. It's not going to happen. I'm past the age of childbearing. Then, then Isaac is finally born, the child of miracle, the child of promise. And one day, God shows up and God says, Abraham, Take now your son, your only son, up onto a mountain, which I will show you, and take a knife and put it through his heart. And the Bible says Abraham rose early in the morning. What does that mean? That means he was instantly obedient. 
he didn't hesitate. He didn't say, okay, I will, but let, let's hang out. We're going we're gonna to go, we're gonna go fishing and hunting and hang out for a little bit, and I'm going to spend a little last, last days with him, and eventually I'll get around to it. He rose early in the morning, and, and he, he took Isaac up onto the place. And, and here again, you have that same thing in Abraham's life. Immediately, the very same day, right away, he, he's obedient to do the thing that, that God called him to do. In verse 24, and Abraham was 99 years old when he circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin, and Ishmael, his son, was 13 years old when he was circumcised in the flesh of his foreskin. And that very same day, Abraham was circumcised, and his son Ishmael, and all the men of his house, born in the house, or bought with money from a foreigner, were circumcised with him. Amen. Let's stand. I saw destiny, now I don't. So we, uh, as you guys know, on Wednesday nights, we've been uh, flipping it around a little bit. It helps with the youth group and with Tommy and Destiny being over with the kids. And so uh, we do worship at the end. So you're welcome to stand or sit. Wanted to get you guys up and let you stretch a little bit. But you're free to stand or sit during worship. And we just got a couple songs. And then I think we have some... Donuts and coffee, you're welcome to stick around as long as you like. If anybody needs individual prayer or, um, you know, would like prayer, we'll, we'll be available to pray for you guys. So, no, I think, I think they went to go get her. Corey went to go get her. So, um, so let's pray. Father God, we come before you and we thank you, Lord Jesus, so much for this day. And Father, I thank you, Lord, for, um, for your word. I thank you, Lord, for Father Abraham, who is the father of many nations, who's a father of faith. And Lord, he has in his life, um, just like me, just like this, like us, many times where he, he blows it and, and, and has lapses of faith. And other times in his life where he exercises great faith, great faith in you, great faith in your word and in, in, in obedience to what you've called him to do. And so Lord, I pray that, that we would have that, that faith of Abraham, that obedience of Abraham. And God, that you would meet the needs that, that are here tonight. Everybody has a different need, a different desire, and Lord, I pray that you would meet that need tonight in Jesus' name, amen.